Welcome to Waste Away, the intermittent fasting podcast. If you want to learn how to lose weight for life through intermittent fasting, burn fat, heal your thyroid and autoimmune issues, and break the bondage of food, then this podcast is for you. I'm Chantel Ray, author of Waste Away, the Chantel Ray Way, and each week I have different guests answering your questions. If you haven't had a chance to pick up your copy of Waste Away, visit ChantelRayway.com slash podcast and you'll automatically get 20% off the book, audiobook, recipe book, coaching, and Inner Circle Facebook group. Remember, the thoughts and opinions in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Hey guys, Aaron here. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind you that you can find our full podcast episodes on our YouTube channel. Not only do you get to see Chantel and our guests, but you also get to see any charts, graphs, or pictures that we may mention. Search Chantel Ray Way on YouTube or click the link in the show notes. And if you would like daily accountability as well as a resource with lots of helpful tips about Chantel's intermittent fasting lifestyle, head on over to ChantelRayWay.com slash coaching. As always, enjoy the show. Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode. I am so excited. We have Brittany Auerbach, who is best known for her website, Montreal Healthy Girl. And this is the first time we've had a Canadian guest. All of our guests have always been in the US, so we're going outside of the country. And um, we're so excited to have you. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Well, walk us, you know, just through your journey just a little bit. I know you have struggled with some of the same, you know, things that some of our listeners has, some thyroid issues, IBS, uh, and some other things that we haven't talked about, which is um, inter, how do you say it? (laughs) It's interstitial cystitis. Yeah, sure. Yeah, say it one more time. Interstitial cystitis. Yeah, that's a tongue twister, isn't it? <laughs> it is, it is. Um, I could definitely let you know a bit more about it um, and a little bit more about me, I guess, and, and why I'm happy to be on the show and to share this. So um, my story in a nutshell is that for the majority of my life, I've had health problems from young on and off infections, nothing super major. Uh, and then in my mid-20s, after about a decade of a really toxic lifestyle, which we'll get into, I um, ended up developing four chronic diseases and I was diagnosed within about a three month period of time with all kinds of different things. And I had, you know, tons and tons of symptoms. Uh, the main issues I was struggling with was very severe IBS. I had interstitial cystitis, which is probably and the worst of IBS. So some people who have IBS, they have, um, like they go, they just can't stop going to the bathroom. They're going all the time. And yeah, then yeah. some people who have IBS, they can't go to the bathroom. So it's kind of one spectrum or the other. Which which side of the spectrum were you? <laughs> I would say that I was more prone to the going too much side, but I, I actually um, was a little on both. And my history is a little complicated that way. I had had an eating disorder for about eight years prior to all of my illnesses. And um, and my gut and was not... eating disorder, was it anorexia or bulimia? It was anorexia, but it really geared a lot more towards bulimia, I think, in the later years. It started around anorexia, but I would say it was a mix of both. Um, definitely there was orthorexia in there as well, and a lot of, like, restriction and... Um, I haven't know. heard of that. Say that again. 
Yeah, orthorexia. So orthorexia is something, I actually have done a video about it, but it's basically a person who has a type of eating disorder where they don't eat anything that's remotely unhealthy. And that sounds like it would be a great thing, but every now and then, you know, this per the people demonize all kinds of foods that are actually healthy, such as cooked food or grains or animal products, or it's when a person really gears themselves towards extreme dieting and feels immensely guilty when they eat anything that isn't exactly the diet that they wanted. So it's basically a very, another way of controlling food intake. Um, mm. It's a lot less severe than anorexia or bulimia and I mean, rarely results in as severe health problems, but still it's not a healthy relationship with food and it's a very food focused type of life. Uh, and that's not fun for anyone, you know? So, um, but so when I first- College, when I was in college, I was, I did have bulimia when I was in college. So I did suffer from that. And I feel like a lot of my health issues suffer from having bulimia when I was during my college years. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And there's no doubt that the ravages of an eating disorder are horrible. I mean, there's anorexia, which is awful in its own, but bulimia has a few added detriments um, in the sense that you're actually really damaging your stomach lining and yeah. long term you really impair your digestion because gorging on large amounts of food and stretching out your stomach, but then um, you know, over time doing this regularly and purging, your, your body actually stops producing stomach acid, which means it can't sanitize any of the food you eat. You end up with so many gut infections. But um, what I've learned the most, I think, through this journey isn't that eating disorders cause health problems, which they do, but eating disorders develop when we have severe gut imbalance already because we have neurotransmitter imbalance, we have a lot of parasites, a lot of yeast, the wrong bacteria, we're not um, processing our food properly, so we get really strong continuous cravings for food and that results in guilt and the need to get rid of it and this kind of drive to um, eats large amounts of food all the time, this like binge cycle, um, it common in bulimia actually stems from having the wrong bacteria and your cells starving because they're not getting the nutrients they need. So it's a physiological survival mechanism. And it's not, I mean, it's definitely, there's an emotional component, but it's not as much of just an emotional issue as we realize. There's really a physical driving force there. So when we correct that, eating disorders, once we remineralize the body, eating disorders, they really fade away easily. And it's, it's mainly caused by imbalance. So it's, uh, that's definitely something I, I share a lot about as well, because it was such a horrible struggle for wow. me, you also, you know, and so, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, when you talk about the beginning of your journey, you talked about some things like a mercury detox and having all your fillings removed from your teeth, which is something that I'm actually doing right now. Um, I actually had one of them removed. My dentist is so busy, so I can only kind of go, you know, do one and then, and I've heard that you really shouldn't do it all at one time, that you should kind of get one, get your body acclimated and then do two. What's, what's your thoughts on that? Sure. So that's, uh, as a person who's had really bad mercury poisoning in the peak of my illness, I, I had several diagnoses that I think were actually false diagnoses that ended up, I think it was heavy metal toxicity that was really, um, you know, propelling those symptoms. But, um, but that's a great question. And I definitely don't believe that we should ever have mercury in the mouth. And there's a few reasons for this. So removing them is really important. I'll talk a little bit about that too. But the reason why we really don't want to have mercury in the mouth. So any silver filling you have, um, amalgam fillings. They're 50% mercury, about a quarter nickel, and the other quarter is usually mixed uh, metals. Sometimes there's some actual silver and different things in there, but um, it's predominantly mercury. And actually, the combination of mercury and nickel together 
creates a, a higher instance of absorption of mercury in the body and a higher toxicity rate, even though nickel itself is also toxic. So, um, and the biggest issue is that normally, let's say a thermometer breaks in the room, it's only really dangerous if you ingest it or breathe it in. And the reason that is, is because mercury itself in the environment is everywhere. There's mercury everywhere. But once our bacteria processes it, it actually turns elemental mercury to methyl mercury, which is an absorbable type of mercury that actually fits into your thyroid cells. It fits into any cell receptor that would normally uptake selenium or other minerals like magnesium. Uh, because heavy metals and minerals, they look similar. It's their density that's different. But at a cellular level, when the body's hungry and starving and looking for minerals, um, it, and, and when the body is weaker, it tends to absorb things that it shouldn't out of desperation. So um, definitely you don't want to have mercury in the mouth. It changes the entire uh, composition of your bacteria and creates pathogenesis and bad bacteria in the mouth. It creates yeast overgrowth because yeast binds to heavy metals to protect us. They're actually trying to help us, so they're, they're not the demon after all. And, um, and it does a lot of things. It changes the pH of your mouth. It changes the signaling system for your hunger hormones. Um, and most of all, it's just leaching between 13 and 17. Each amalgam filling you have, even small ones, are roughly leaching between 13 and 18 micrograms of mercury into your bloodstream. Now, don't quote me on that number. It's research that other people have done that I'm sort of quoting back to you. But um, that's kind of what's happening. So the more mercury you have in your body, the more it's you're getting mercury exposure to the brain. Every time you chew as well, the tension of chewing and the action um, of just compressing your food between your teeth releases even more mercury. Um, and it's, you know, so do you so, have yeah. any of the fillings in right now? No, they're all gone. Oh, I have, uh, I actually pulled a lot of my teeth. So yeah. Did you do it slowly or did you just say, you know what, I'm going in, you're getting rid of all of them right away. Yeah. So, well, for me, I was actually lucky. I had only one really, really small one that had been put in, uh, but I had a lot of root canals and things done. So when they went to give me amalgam fillings, they actually ended up drilling too deep. And because of my bulimia, I had really damaged my teeth a lot. Uh, and so I ended up pulling three teeth that had, would have had amalgam fillings that didn't. Um, and so my reason for sharing about amalgam is that I really only had a small one. And so my mercury exposure was that I was very sensitive and also other things like seafood. But I've noticed in, in a lot of people that I work with and people I know, like my father had tons of mercury fillings. And um, most people, they you know, don't really heal as well until they've removed the mercury out of their mouth. And if you're dealing with chronic disease, you never want to be intoxicating yourself daily with a, you know, a heavy metal right into the nervous system and the brain and uh, the mouth and the thyroid and the endocrine system. So um, I definitely think that you should remove them slowly. And the most important thing like, I mean, over the course of a year, every few months, you can do one. It's less of an impact on the body, but you're still getting them out relatively quickly. Of course, if a person has severe, you know, Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, or multiple sclerosis, or Alzheimer's, or Parkinson's, or any really strong heavy metal linked neurological disorders, it might be a good idea. And if your, you know, lifeline is looking not amazing in this moment, pull, I would pull the teeth. I wouldn't even bother removing. I'd pull the teeth, let the body heal, remove the mercury from the body. Um, you know, or definitely go see a holistic dentist, somebody that uses, uh, you know, a mercury detox protocol where they basically funnel oxygen in a different way and they put a dam in your mouth so you're not actually inhaling or absorbing particles. Uh, that becomes really important because as we drill into you know, the mercury. Like, it, I've never even heard of, I've heard of, you know, everyone's heard of holistic doctors, but that's really cool because, you know what, we need to really get it out there. Are there any holistic dentists out there that really understand this yes 
Well, there's, you know, it's, it's actually, I didn't know about holistic dentistry. I just, I went the, med, the regular dental uh, route and I had had a bunch of dental work done about two years before I got sick with all of my diseases. And I found that an interesting connection because about a year before I got diagnosed with everything, I had actually quit the majority of my bad lifestyle habits. I'd been smoke, uh, cigarette free for two years. I quit drinking. I wasn't partying or doing drugs. I was back in school. I was, I was juicing. I was doing yoga. I was actually living a really healthy lifestyle. And then boom, I got hit with four chronic diseases, which shocked me because I, I mean, I didn't get sick when I was doing all this bad stuff. So what was going on? And I made the connection later as I studied more, um, you know, Weston Price Foundation and a lot of other people that are studying dentistry in this moment uh, and at different health retreats and things that I'd gone to and, and different health seminars. I really learned a lot more about the dental um, issue and how that changes everything. It governs your entire gut behavior, how you chew and how your hormones work and, and you know, all of that stuff. It's the neurological component and having mercury in the mouth um, also really irritates the vagus nerve, which could be the number one cause of IBS. And if we correct the vagus nerve dysfunction, people can heal their IBS. It's like, a, it's amazing actually. So, um, so yeah, definitely fixing what's in the mouth is, is critical, but doing it slow, going um, according to your body and how you feel energetically and making sure you seek out someone who does a healthy protocol because it isn't only for you, but typical dentists themselves are being heavily poisoned by the fillings as they work in that industry all the time. So it's protecting both you and your dentist. Um, I think, I think in the future, in the next 10 years or so, I wouldn't be surprised if all dentists were being more careful. I think it's the lack of knowledge, even within the dental community, about the dangers of them even working with these materials. Um, that's kind of the issue. You know, it's more about, I think, yeah. education. And you have several ebooks. One that has caught my my eye that was your three day Candida Juice Cleanser program. So tell us about this program and who do you recommend it for? Sure. So I love it's probably one of my favorite ebooks even though it's a more simple shorter term uh, kind of detox but i love it people have seen amazing results with it and so the aim of my book it's basically a three-day juice detox but that includes coconut oil as well so you're taking periodic and strategic coconut oil ingestion along with very low sugar juices mostly green juices vegetable based juices very little fruit just to flavor it um, and can they can be omitted for people that are sensitive but the aim with this is that when we have a lot of candida in the body our absorption of nutrients isn't good. And so any um, fibers that we're eating, even healthy things like vegetables, fruits, quinoa, uh, these things, you know, nut butters, you're, they're fermentable by the yeast. Because the, the thing is, if you have candida, you're missing the bacteria, the antagonist bacteria that suppress candida and keep it in check. So you're not fully digesting your food properly. And so you're giving the candida a lot of fuel. Um, and what this candida cleanse does is it gives you liquid nutrients that are almost bypassing digestion altogether because it's literally liquid and can go right into the small intestine, even the stomach on some level, um, and be absorbed into the bloodstream and uptake taken by the cells. So you're getting a high mineral amount while giving your gut a rest because it's normally so inflamed from the fermentation process that yeast causes. Um, and the coconut oil is there because as a person who has done really extended water fast, tons of juice fast, longer juice fast as well, you're hungry, it is so hard to do a juice fast, it feels really you know, depriving. And though you feel good and it, it can result in amazing benefits, I, I like to, to give people a detox that's highly effective, but also doesn't require a lot of suffering or, or restriction, especially with my background. You know, I want people to not develop abnormal 
uh, relationships with food and all that. And I find that the coconut oil boosts satiation like crazy. It really helps curb appetite. And coconut oil itself um, is really coating and soothing it's to so an inflamed. So it's healing. so healing. It kills yeast on its own, um, but in a gentle way, it coats the digestive system. Also, the oil. Um, as you detox and get those minerals in, all those greens and everything, they help build glutathione, especially the sulfur vegetables like kale and, uh, you know, the other things that I put in there. Um, and so that helps glutathione, which is your liver detox uh, chemical, and actually your whole body makes it. It's, it's a, a detox mechanism, uh, you know, that your body makes. But uh, really, putting in coconut oil, it adds that fat component, which actually helps your liver and gallbladder produce bile. And bile is a disinfectant for the intestines. So it actually helps to sanitize and clean out the intestines and give your gut a rest and help replenish all that so that when you start eating a healthy diet, um, I usually recommend my ebook, Fully Nourished, or even just starting a plant-based diet. I have so many free videos about that. You don't even have to purchase an ebook, but um, you know, starting a high fiber, high vegetable, plant-based diet after the candida cleanse, it could, it's basically setting the right foundation um, the right terrain so that you can repopulate with good bacteria and fermented foods and, um, you know, and eat the right fibers afterwards. So it can be done for a lot longer. You know, I've known people that do it for 21 so, days. But, but Let me tell you the, the one thing about coconut oil that is absolutely amazing. Um, so I have gotten a one of those blood glucose measures and I kind of for a while I was like obsessive compulsive with it because I really <laughs> wanted to like look at my blood sugar and what it would do and so I would look at my blood sugar and sometimes, sometimes I, would I would have, have coffee, coffee with a spoonful of like a tablespoon of coconut oil and I would watch if I did like I let's say I took my blood sugar and it was at 90 Let's just say it was at 95. And I would then have one cup of coffee with a tablespoon of coconut oil. And then I would wait 10 to 15 minutes every single time I did that test. And it's a really cool test. Just try it for yourself. My blood sugar would literally, no matter where it started, if I took that coffee and then took that spoonful of coconut oil, and you don't have to have it with coffee, you could just have a spoonful, but um, sure, sure. it's kind of just, what do, you, what do you use your, what, how do you take your spoonful of coconut oil? How do you do it? So for me, um, I love coffee, but I don't drink a ton of it because my history with adrenal stuff, it tends to give me the shakes a little. Um, I love green tea, uh, but I do. Uh, green. Oh, fun. Spinach, spinach and uh, celery juice. That's it. Oh, that's amazing. Here, I'm having a green tea too. Cheers to that. Um, but yeah, so, um, I tend to use it in cooking or like raw baked goods. Like I'll make little, you know, protein balls or things like that. Um, and I use coconut oil in that. I make wraps and I use coconut oil. I use it for all of my cooking. And I honestly just stick a spoon in my mouth when I'm feeling under the weather, or I'm not feeling well, or if I feel really hungry, but I don't have time to eat because I'm busy with work. I'll stick a tablespoon in my mouth and drink it back with some lemon water. So I don't find it, um, I, don't, I don't dislike the taste of it. Some people, if they really hate it, coffee's a good alternative. Any warm or drink. I'm not, a big, tea, yeah. I'm not a big coffee drinker either. I do it when I'm, I only use it when I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm dying on the vine. I need like kind of <laughs> sure, something sure. to really get me up. But green tea is my kind of go-to for my, my daily. So you can even put that coconut oil in the, in the green tea. Oh, definitely. And I mean, the oil, remember, if you're not blending it. Sorry, go ahead. 
Oh, no, I was going to say, if you're not blending it up, the oil actually floats to the top. So you can pretty much down it with your first sip. Um, and it's really, it's got a mild taste. I mean, it does taste like coconut, but if you put it in your mouth and swig it back with something, it usually goes down pretty easy. Um, some people they find if they make a coffee or a tea, they can make actually a kind of latte um, with coconut oil and a little bit of coconut cream or coconut milk. And they can put a little bit of, you know, raw honey if they're not vegan or a little bit of stevia or pure maple syrup. I mean, if you're not doing the sugar thing, you could do it just with the coconut milk and your base and some cinnamon. Uh, but you're making basically a latte, um, you know, with, with coffee or with green tea and the coconut oil is in there, but it's kind of the flavor is a bit displaced with coconut or almond milk, you know, so it's a little easier to ingest. So when you're doing, when, what I heard you say is that when you're doing your three day juice cleanse, um, and by the way, how does someone get a copy of that? Where do they sure, go? Sure. Yeah, so I can, I can send you a, a link actually to share with them, but on my website, Montreal Healthy Girl, under eBooks, at the top you'll okay. see tabs. So under eBooks, you'll find all my eBooks with descriptives of them. Um, I also try to launch, you know, periodic specials on them and things as well. But, uh, but yeah, so you can find all my information there. So when you're doing your three-day juice cleanse, what I'm hearing you say is just so that you're not like, oh my gosh, I'm so ravenous, you personally either will just do that, you know, low sugar uh, juices, and then you'll just take a tablespoon of it, or you'll put it into tea and then just drink the top part that that go, sits up at the top. Is that what you're saying? Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm a person who doesn't do well with the feeling of being really hungry. So I'll usually be able to do a juice cleanse for maybe one, two days. And then I get, there's like a moment where I feel really hungry and it feels unloving to be doing this restrictive thing. So I find that the coconut oil, it really curbs your appetite. Me, I love doing, uh, you know, sometimes I'll even, when I'm doing a juice detox, I'll even add chia seeds or some flax seeds or, you know, put in a little bit back of the fiber from the juice, just something to help slow down the sugar metabolism. Because all juices, even, you know, celery juice is carbohydrate on some level, and that will raise your blood sugar even minutely. Mm -hmm. But, um, but the, the, the oil really helps to kind of stabilize uh, people that have blood sugar issues or diabetics when they do juice cleanses, they'd be good to have a few slices of avocado, you know, stuff so that you're still eating really clean, really raw, really healthy, um, and giving your gut that rest, but just having something that satiates you it makes the, it, you want it to be painless, right? You want it to be a beautiful experience. So, yes. And so, you know, every, every guest that comes on here, I kind of say like, walk us through a day in the life of, of Brittany. Like, what do you eat every day? Like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, how often and how much do you eat? Okay, so I'm definitely a big eater. <laughs> I'm going to say that. Um, I'm not a bird eater. I've always liked eating big portions. As a teenager, I was eating unhealthier foods then, but I would eat more ribs than my dad. Um, I was always the person that like, polished off everything. I'm, I've always been like a big eater, so I like volume eating. So because I like volume eating and I'm not a you know, small meal nosher, I actually eat less often in the day. So I'm a big proponent of intermittent fasting. Uh, and I, I actually recently switched up my diet. So I'm pretty flexible. I do different types of diets all the time because in the field that I'm working in, I want to experiment. I want to see what makes me feel the best, what works for people. Um, if I know somebody who isn't doing well on a diet, I'll try it and try to tweak it to see if I can figure out what is going on. I like to experiment and self-test on blood sugars and you know, um, urine, uric acid levels. And I like to see how the kidneys are functioning on different diets. So I play around a lot, but what I'm eating right now in the last little while and feeling amazing doing so is a mostly vegan, um, plant-based, high fat diet, high raw. So I'm eating a typical day. I'm actually, this last week I've been doing OMAD, which is one meal a day and I absolutely love it. 
Um, so, but before that I was eating about two meals a day. So my day would typically look like getting up in the morning, having a lot of fresh water or water with lemon juice. Um, I'll often have green tea or other herbal teas while I work. Um, I usually do a bit of exercise in the morning. It might even just be a walk or some kind of physical activity. And then if I'm doing two meals around noon or one, I'll have my first meal of the day, which is usually a really big tahini salad or a big avocado salad. Um, I'll put some hemp seeds on there, lots of different greens. Maybe I'll have kale chips with it, uh, something a little bit more savory. Sometimes I'll steam up some veggies and have it with that. Uh, if I want something sweet, I make these little protein balls out of um, raw almond butter, a little bit of um, a natural protein powder, like um, Vivo is a great one, or uh, Genuine Greens Fermented or Sun Warrior, even Garden of Life, though I'm less a fan of them, but uh, a little bit of that, some cinnamon, so that's kind of a dessert. And then I'll usually have um, herbal tea or a green juice in the afternoon, you know, celery-based juice. Do you have a recipe that you could share with the listeners for a great protein ball on your site? I actually don't have one out right now, but I will put one up. And I mean, if I were just to... Why don't we create a link and I'll add it to the show notes? Perfect. Something that you do. Why don't you give us our recipe for those balls and we'll put it on there. Perfect. Yeah. It's actually, the one I make is really basic, but it's really good. I love it. Good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, And I'd love to put those, your favorite protein powders that you love. I'll put it in our links um, for things we, I have a link on, on ChantelRayWay.com called um, Things We Love. And if you love it, I know I'll love it. So um, (laughs) we'll add it to that. Perfect. I'll be happy to share that. Okay. So you have those balls. What else? Um, And then I usually have a green juice in the afternoon or more herbal tea. Honestly, I'm not usually that hungry after lunch, which is what sort of switched me to going to OMAD. Um, The higher fat I eat, the more I'm kind of not that hungry. Um, I tend to be a little hungrier in the morning, like by noon, I'm kind of, you know. Um, But so when I'm doing one meal a day, I'll typically eat my meal between three and four and I'll skip lunch. But on the days I eat two, I'll usually have dinner when I feel hungry. So like maybe six o'clock, something like that. Um, And it's typically... I love, actually, I have this recipe that I adore that I'm going to be sharing this on my blog soon, but it's um, a coconut-based, coconut psyllium husk wrap with just baking soda, sea salt, um, and water. So basically, you make these kind of pita wraps, but they're so delicious. They're tender. They taste like crepes, um, and and they're really high fiber. So I basically love making those wraps. I'll make those wraps at home, and I'll often put guacamole or avocado, um, you know, I'll, I'll make different stir fries or things like that as well. Um, I make a lot of different soups, cream of mushroom soups or things like that as well. Um, I eat lots of avocados. I eat lots of kale chips. I keep it simple for me because I love that. Um, but I do have a lot of really diverse recipes in my eBooks and I do talk about them on my channel. So for people that like more variety, how do you feel about dairy and gluten? Do you have them in your diet or how does how do you feel about those? So I personally, um, I'm not a fan of either. Every now and then, randomly, if I'm out somewhere, I'll have a bite of raw cheese or if there's a bite of it in something, you know, but I don't do pasteurized cheeses. I don't do any conventional dairy. When I make yogurts and things, I use um, coconut milk for coconut yogurts, coconut kefir. I love coconut milk and coconut cream for my uh, creamy soups and all of that. Um, and, and almond milk and cashew milk. I make all my own. I have those recipes in my ebook too, but I really, really love non-dairy alternatives. 
uh, for not only do I feel that they're not particularly healthy, but I don't like the treatment of animals and even grass fed cows, their milk happens when they're pregnant or just nursing and that milk is for their offspring. So I don't believe that, you know, from, from my perspective that I would feel comfortable consuming the milk of an infant, you know, cow or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Um, I do talk about how if a woman is having trouble breastfeeding, how the mix of uh, coconut milk, coconut water, fermented coconut milk, and a little bit of raw goat's milk can be a really great alternative. I have a video about that if you're having trouble with that. So, I mean, I do believe that it can be incorporated and raw milk has really helped a lot of people um, with immune you know, bacteria and things like that as well. So it can be beneficial, but I'm not a fan. I completely avoid it. I find it mucus forming. I find it creates a lot of weight gain unnecessarily. It really messes up our hormones. So that's my thought. Gluten, I avoid gluten like the plague. If I eat it, I'm not crazy about it. But um, And I'll consume glutinous ancient grains, things like kamut or spelt. Um, but what I, what I don't do is consume um, typical conventional wheat because I just feel that it's man-tampered and usually genetically modified and heavily sprayed. And, um, and I really prefer to stick to real foods that haven't been tampered by human beings or laboratories as much as possible. Uh, I think that that's what our bodies are designed to eat. And I know, especially as a person who's had thyroid problems and who has that tendency, I just, I don't believe that gluten is really safe for people in general, at least not today. So, um, ancient grains are better. Things like barley are okay if you don't have celiac and, you know, other grains that do have some gluten but that aren't genetically modified to have, you know, 50 times more than they used to, uh, the way that our dwarf wheat is today. Hey guys, I'm so excited that my new book, Waste Away, The Chantel Rayway, is now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and pretty much anywhere you can find books. But we also have the audio book, the ebook, and my new recipe book that you can download all the recipes that I love that I make, and it's super cheap. It's all my favorites. Anyway, if you have a minute to write a review on Amazon, I would be ever grateful. Okay, so let's get right into our listener questions. This is from Andrea in Bridgewater. I have felt so tired lately and feeling meh. My stomach isn't functioning normal. I'm sluggish all the time. And the only thing that has really changed so far as far as my diet, exercise, and she says and nothing has really changed as far as my diet, exercise, and sleeping habits. After your last podcast, I'm considering a parasite cleanse. Which cleanses do you recommend and what do you think is best? Ooh, I love the topic of parasites. Um, So yeah, I make a lot of videos about this and I love, and I do actually have a video where I share all my top parasite detoxes and how to do them. But for, for, um, you know, these purposes, I'll share what I personally do if I feel like I'm getting, you know, parasitically out of control. Um, And I'm a big fan of essential oils because I find them gentle. They also kill viruses, yeast, um, and their volatile oils are really soothing and nourishing for the body if taken in, you know, non-excessive quantities. Um, So things like oil of oregano, are amazing. You know, taking two to three drops of that um, before each meal, that'll help boost stomach acid production and detoxify H. pylori or other stomach infections that could be contributing to your parasite load further down by suppressing stomach acid. Um, Taking apple cider vinegar, raw apple cider vinegar, maybe a tablespoon in an inch of water as a shooter before each meal, that can really help acidify the stomach. So the main reason that we have parasites is that they overgrow in our body, number one, because we're too acidic and we're toxic. So they eat the garbage in our body. That's what they do in nature. 
there are garbage eaters, so we should be grateful for them. Um, and they overgrow when there's too much garbage happening inside you. Um, but, but another big part is that our stomach acid sanitizes our food. And so there's parasites. I mean, every restaurant you eat, everybody that prepares your food, their microbiome and their skin cells and their parasitic larvae are in that food, as nasty as that sounds. It's actually good for our immune system to, to be exposed to a lot of microbes. But um, so our stomach acid is there to sanitize the larvae and the contaminants and the bacteria and all the unwanted things from the food we're eating. The number one reason people have a parasite overgrowth is that they have a stomach acid deficiency. So apple cider vinegar, celery juice, um, lots of lemon juice, things like uh, you know, volatile herbs, bitter foods are going to boost stomach acid and liver um, bile production, which will help clean the intestines. So bitters like dandelion greens, Swiss chard, mustard greens, arugula, all those tangy kind of things, radicchio and endives and uh, lavage. I don't know how to say that properly, but um, so yeah, lovage, I think. But those are all great vegetables as well. And um, my favorite um, two go-tos that I think everybody with a parasite issue, and I think most people in general could benefit from taking this, even if they're feeling good, like it's you know, really important in today's toxic world. Um, I'm a huge component, a proponent of vitamin C supplementation, but with natural sources like camu camu powder, you know, a teaspoon or a teaspoon and a half a day um, into water or in some juice, that'll really help boost the immune system and help you overcome parasites. So talk about that for just a second, because I am a big proponent of vitamin C as well. But you said the vitamin C, you want it in can moo powder. Is that what you just said? Yeah. So there's, I don't really believe in most supplements. And I talk about that on my channel. I like apple cider vinegar. It's kind of a food. You know, I, I'm a fan of, you know, cod liver oil in certain instances, a few different things. But the majority of the time, I try to minimize supplements as much as possible because supplements are synthesized versions, even the natural ones. They're isolated materials um, that, that don't really have the same effectiveness in the body. And so they become a cost to our system. Instead, for vitamin C, Rather than citric acid, absorbic acid, or even with bioflavonoids, like all of that, I don't feel is good for the body. Um, instead, it's better to do food sources. And because the majority of our produce today is so denatured, and our lemons don't have the vitamin C they used to, and even if you're buying organic, it's shipped from how far away. Um, mm -hmm. I really think, unless you're like picking your own fruits and things off the tree, um, a good idea is to supplement with very with berries. So things like um, acerola cherry or camu camu powder. Uh, is actually really inexpensive and that you can order on Amazon's 20 bucks for a bag that'll last you, you know, a long time. I'm um, just taking a teaspoon of that. So these are berries that are bitter. They don't have any sugar. Spell, spell that, spell that, Camu. Sure. So it's C-A-M-U, C-A-M-U, Camu, Camu. Okay. Camu, um, Camu. Yeah. There's actually one more vitamin C supplement that I really enjoy and you just really would choose one of them um it's something called pure synergy radiance vitamin c powder and what it is is you can get it on amazon if you just look up pure radiance vitamin c you'll find it synergy but uh it actually has acerola cherry camu camu powder i think pomegranate it has a bunch of different berries that are all rich in vitamin c so it's a pure food dehydrated food supplement so if you know camu camu or that they both work and, um, and that's just a good idea to do that when you're trying to overcome parasites. And the last one, I've talked about it on well, my channel. I'm going to put those, I'm going to put the Camu Camu powder, I'm going to put a link for, for Amazon for a couple different ones. Um, but say the second one one more time. 
Yeah, so it's um, pure synergy, vitamin C powder, pure radiance. I can send you the link for it. Okay. Um, but yeah, they have it on Amazon. Um, and it's basically just a vitamin C powder that has a lot of different organic wild cultured vegetables or cultivated vegetables um things like acerola cherry things like i think pomegranate and camu camu powder it's just a mix of multiple mm. non-sweet berries that are very high in vitamin c and mm. and that's also something you can order but really those are the only two c supplements that i would bother with uh, the majority of them i think will will actually acidify the body and these ones will really help boost immunity so um talk a little bit about um you know about thyroid supplements for just a second so um speaking of supplements one of the things that i have been taking it it's something called raw thyroid and it basically has and here's another one that's called like thyroid strength um but really that it has like iodine zinc selenium copper what is your opinion on on those should i be taking those or do you think it's not a good idea? So thyroid supplements, you're not going to be harmed from taking those supplements. Um, and those are all definitely minerals and nutrients that the body needs to heal the thyroid. But again, I really feel that when I was healing my thyroid gland um, and when I work with most people, I don't really recommend thyroid extracts or thyroid supplemental like package items. Um, and the reason is because Usually, the way minerals work is they all interact with each other to help absorption or they block absorption. The wonderful thing about nature is that nature never created a single food that contains nutrients that block one to the other. In other words, if you eat an egg white alone, there's anti-nutrients. And if you eat the egg yolk alone, you don't fully absorb the nutrients because you need something in egg white to help you absorb the egg yolk. So nature's really smart. It puts just the right amount of vitamin C and iron in spinach so that you can absorb it. It puts just the right amount of everything in an orange so you can actually extract that vitamin C. There's a perfect ratio of absorbic acid, citric acid, bioflavonoids. Whenever you take a supplement of selenium, it's missing all the cofactors. It's missing the fiber. It's missing the bacteria. It's missing the polyphenols. It's missing, you know, so your body doesn't use it the same way. Um, mm. When the body's really desperate, it can sort of use it the way that, you know, um, hormone replacement therapy will maybe make someone feel better, but it's not the real hormone and it's not fixing the problem. And so your body ends up having to remaneuver itself differently in the presence of these things, which is an energetic cost. And when you're trying to heal, you want to avoid that as much as possible. But um, so for me, instead, I prefer food sources. Um, I find something that's amazing that anybody with a thyroid issue can do is boost iodine levels naturally. Um, and that is using kombu seaweed is an amazing, so it's K-O-M-B-U. But this seaweed that's very inexpensive, you can find it in most uh, grocery stores, organic is best. Um, and you're basically just going to put a stick or two in anything you cook. So if you make soups, uh, you just basically boil it in water. You can have a tea. You can put it when you're making rice, when you're boiling quinoa. And um, the, the algae will break down and it will start to um, impart some of that iodine into the water and into the food. Uh, you can also eat the algae. Um, all algaes are wonderful. Spirulina, chlorella, um, mm. you know, arami, wakami, all of those. Um, nori, they're all going to be really amazing. So definitely algae is uh, using transdermal iodine is also really helpful for people. So getting something like Lugol's 5% iodine on Amazon. 
and just rubbing it on your forearms, you know, and, and rubbing it in maybe a, a, you know, a quarter teaspoon worth or an eighth a teaspoon, not too much, just like a, a few drops. Um, and just sort of, you know, rub that into your arms once or twice a day and see how you feel. So uh, that can be really helpful. High selenium foods, which is critical for thyroid health, would be things like Brazil nuts. You don't want to eat more than about two a day. Mushrooms are excellent. Avocados, garlic, sulfur vegetables. Um, you know, if you're not, if you're not um, vegan, things like uh, sardines are rich in selenium as well. Onions, uh, those things are all going to be really helpful. But I think that the real issue. So, so I like what's so funny is like, I am obsessed with avocados and I'm obsessed with coconuts. Um, but like, so like my body, like every single day, like if you said to me, like, what do you want to eat right now? I would say almost always like my body's like, I want, um, like right from, I work right across from Whole Foods so I can go over there and they have these whole coconuts um, and they'll take them literally they're they're young, the young living coconuts and they'll just take it and pour out the water and so like anytime I'm like kind of kind of in a bad mood or my you know all my staff's like Chantel do you want me to walk over and get you a a coconut or would you like an avocado you know because like for those two foods I get like Woo! You know, I just get like so happy when I eat those two things. And I'll literally like take the inside of the coconut and eat, you know, I'll take the juice or take the inside of the coconut or have that avocado. And I literally am like a new person. I mean, I, it's that much of a dramatic shift for me. Like, it's like my happy pill. Like, instead of like, do you want a glass of wine? It's like, do you want a coconut water? Do you want an avocado? Well, they're that makes a lot of sense because they're rich in really important nutrients and they're super alkalizing and they're both really soft and gentle on the gut. So um, the great thing about raw coconut, shredded or even fresh, is that it's a the, the fiber in coconut is actually a vermifuge. It helps rip uh, worms off the intestinal lining and it helps sort of clean the gut and it's great fibers to feed. Avocado too has a great amount of fiber, tons of healthy fats, rich in selenium, great for the liver, super anti-inflammatory. Um, people that have a really severe histamine sensitivity might react a little to avocados, but they're much less histamine reactive than most other foods. So I'm happy. Yeah, I love those foods too. I adore them. And coconut cream, I'm obsessed with that. I make all my desserts with coconut cream. I find it so delicious. So what is your opinion on diatometrous earth um, as far as that for a parasite cleanse? I love that. And actually, I should have mentioned that when I was talking um, about my parasite remedies. But I think that diatomaceous earth, not just for a parasite detox, but I think it's a great food supplement for most people. So basically, it's microscopic um, diatoms, which is basically really, really small fractioned algae that's broken down into a powder form. And um, these little chards, I mean, it's very gentle. If you rub it between your fingers, it's gentle to a human. But um, these things are lethal and very dehydrating for parasites and worms and things in the gut as well. Um, and so they tend to create kind of like an undesirable situation, but more than just being amazing for parasites, they're actually the richest source of um, silica. And silica is a critical building block for collagen in our body. It's one of the main nutrients we need in order to absorb magnesium and a host of other minerals as well. So silica is something that we're not getting as much of today, especially because um, the seafood is so toxic and, you know, 
with everything that's going on, basically the, this, the diatomaceous earth, the, the algae themselves are being damaged in the environment. So, um, but it's a very inexpensive, amazing supplement to take. I mean, I ordered one on Amazon and you literally get a bag that's like, you know, four, four feet high. Oh my God. I mean, it's just so overwhelming. For 20 bucks. It's so inexpensive. I buy it for like a hundred (laughs) friends. Oh, I know. So how do you recommend it? Do you say like one teaspoon in a glass of water or... Sure. So it depends what your purposes are. You want to do a bit more if you're doing a parasite detox, but again, you want to go slow. So there's a few things you want to keep in mind before you just dive into diatomaceous earth. You definitely want to make sure that you're getting 100% pure food grade diatomaceous earth. There, this is something that they use to purify water and in the chemical industry, and there's a lot of synthetic versions. So food grade is critical. Um, making sure not to inhale it. So be very careful when you mix it into water because it tends to off-gas sort of the way that baby powder does, like it kind of goes into the air. Um, And you don't want to inhale these particles because the lung tissue is very different than the intestinal tissue. And though the the diatoms are really small, it can irritate the lungs. And in time, it can actually cause um, lung deterioration. You would have to really like inhale it regularly. Um, You know, everyone inhales, I guess, a tiny amount when they're mixing it. But you just want to make sure that you're, you know, breathing away as much as possible, shaking it out of the way, maybe do it under a fan. Um, And that will be the safest way. Uh, If you're just looking as a daily supplement, a teaspoon or two teaspoons a day in a glass of water in the morning is a great option or before bed. Um, And if you're looking to do a parasite detox, you want to also start with a teaspoon or two teaspoons because it can create a bit of die off. But um, you want to work your way up to about at least a tablespoon, maybe even a tablespoon and a half a day. You can do it in two doses. Some people, they mix it into smoothies and all that. I really prefer to take it just plain in water or juice because I want it to be on an empty stomach as much as possible. Um, And in food, it has a tendency to absorb water. So it can actually um, dehydrate the food and make it harder on digestion. So I like to take it away from food, but um, but yeah, it's an an excellent supplement. How long would you say that you would need to take that in order for you to feel like, these parasites are gone. Like I've been taking, let's say I take a tablespoon and a half. How long would you say you would do that for? I think if you're doing a large dose, like a tablespoon and a half, usually you, you want to start a parasite cleanse and do it for at least three months, at least, uh, because that's the life cycle of most parasites. And I would say you're safe to take it in a higher dose up until about six months. I honestly believe that it's generally really safe and you can actually take it long-term. I personally would have no issues personally ingesting, um, you know, a tablespoon or more every day for the rest of my life. Like I have no fear of it in any way. Um, but some people who don't drink enough water or are a little more dehydrated might want to be a bit more careful. It can cause headaches if you're very dehydrated, or if you have a lot of parasites. Um, it did for me at the beginning because I was very dehydrated, but uh, so just drink enough water. But I would say that three to six months for a parasite cleanse, is a great time frame for most people, especially if you're combining it with vitamin C or some oregano oil, eating a really clean, high vegetable diet, you know, coconut products, you're, you're going to be on your way to, to really helping support your body. Um, but remember that with any parasite cleanse or any, you know, candida cleanse or anything at all, you're never going to have lasting results unless you fix the real issue of why you had that overgrowth, which is the wrong diet, you know, eating foods that that propagate pathogenesis in the body. Um, But even more than that, you're missing the bacteria that keeps that stuff in check, either from birth control or antibiotics or other exposures. So the the good, it's great to do a parasite detox, but you want to do lots of fermented food at the same time. And especially right after, 
you really want to re-inoculate your gut, lots of vegetable fibers, um, and really help to feed what's currently there and put back in a lot of the good bacteria that, um, that, that you're missing. And that way you won't end up with an overgrowth again as soon as you stop the detox, which I think happens for a lot of people. And, you know, yeah, we, yeah. we had a listener send in a question and they put a couple pictures with it and it was literally showing pictures of like worms, um, sure. in the stool. And it was just like, it was funny. Our staff was like, Oh my gosh, you got to look at this picture. Look at this picture. <laughs> um, so have you ever had that where you literally looked at your stool and saw worms coming out from doing those parasite cleanses? Yeah. So actually, this is a great story and a bit of an embarrassing one as well. But I, all my years of an eating disorder and everything else, I had never thought, I wasn't really as much into health then, you know? Um, so I didn't know about parasites. I never thought that that would affect me. I thought it was a third world problem like most other people do. And when I um, started reading about it, I was like, wow, I know I have candida, but I'm always hungry. And I started reading about the symptoms of parasites. And I was like, well, maybe I have some. And in my mind, I always thought they were like bacteria and that you wouldn't see them. So I actually did the most successful parasite regime I ever did for my body personally was that I, I did about three or four days of eating mostly coconut products. And I'll tell you my, my day to day. But yeah, I, I ended up after doing that, I really saw a lot of worms in the bowl and I'll, and I'll kind of get into that. But basically I was eating about a cup and a half of shredded, unsulfured, organic, raw coconut flakes mixed with a bit of coconut oil with some cinnamon on it, like as breakfast and drinking a lot of water with that. And then I was making these coconut breads at the time, which were made with organic free range eggs with coconut flour and coconut oil and a little bit of, you know, sea salt. I think you can look up coconut breads online. They have a lot of different recipes. And I was dipping that in olive oil with garlic. I was just on this crazy, like anti-parasite thing, trying to do keto, not really knowing what I was doing. Um, and I actually um, was at work one day and I started getting really bad intestinal cramping. I felt that feeling in my intestines that you normally feel when you have the flu or something like your lungs feel raw. It was this raw feeling in my intestines, like inflamed. Um, and I got home and I really had to use the bathroom and I went to the bathroom and a bunch of coconut came out. And what I noticed, and this is very graphic. So for anybody who gets weirded out, you might want to shut this off right now, but um, <laughs> I actually looked in the bowl to see what had happened because I just felt so sick. And, and there was a ton of bile, I guess, from all the fat. So it was like fluorescent yellow in the bowl. And I saw, what looked like multiple spaghetti noodles, like thin, uh, clear. They were like white, almost like a rice spaghetti noodle. And I was like, what is that? It's like a whole spaghetti noodle that I never digested. And as I looked closer, it was moving. It was alive and moving. And there was about two or three of them long. They were probably about, um, you know, eight to 10 inches long. I know, but you know, I wasn't into health and I freaked out. Like I looked in the bowl and I started panicking and I felt so disgusting because I didn't know this was a normal thing, right? I just thought, oh my God, I have worms. I'm that disgusting person that has worms, you know? Um, and I actually called my mother at the time. I was about 25 when I did this. I called her panicking on Skype, but I didn't know she was in the middle of a dinner party with extended family. And I was like, mom, she's like, Britt, I'm going to call you back. I'm like, you don't understand. It's an emergency. I have worms. I have worms. I, there's worms in the bowl. My entire family heard this like at dinner. It was so embarrassing. And I, I mean, I called... 10 naturopaths in the city. I wasn't a naturopath then. I didn't know. And I just left all these creepy messages on people's phones. Like I have worms. What do I do? Um, and then as I read more about it, I realized that, you know, um, that happens. And, you know, I've done many parasite cleanses since and not seen worms, even though I know I still on some level had, sometimes I've seen pieces of worms. I've seen a lot of, um, what they call the Lyme parasite. 
uh, I forget what it's called, but Bartonelli or something, but it's, it looks like a little puff ball with little uh, either red or black veins inside, and they float at the top of the bowl. I've seen a ton of those. I've seen tapeworm pieces. Um, I think I personally had a really big infestation from all my years of bulimia and all that nasty stuff and the smoking and drinking. So I had like a lot that I could visually see, but a lot of parasites, most are actually microscopic. Uh, so if you don't see any, that doesn't mean you're not eliminating them and your gut symptoms are the best way to determine how you're doing both before and after a parasite cleanse. So, you know, if your gut seems to be improving on the diatomaceous earth, then keep doing it, you know, and if you notice that you're like even more inflamed, it could be a temporary die off. But if you're many, many months of increased inflammation, um, you know, that might not be the best thing for you. But, but yeah, I've definitely seen a lot of parasites in the bowl. And now I celebrate it. I love it, like better out than in. Um, and a lot of people send me pictures of their parasites too. And I'm, I'm all about it. So <laughs> it's, I know it's crazy, but I'm like, Oh wow. You know, you yeah. you're like, I'm not grossed out by it. I'm kind of like, Oh, you know, like that's awesome. They're coming out. All right. Yeah. Lisa in Kansas city. I've never had acne as a teenager, but now at the age of 31, I'm getting crazy acne on my chin and my forehead especially before and during my period. It's so annoying. What is causing this so late in life and what can I do to clear it up naturally? Oh, great question. I had such bad acne and it was, I think, apart from the bladder disease, which was excruciatingly painful, I think my acne bothered me even more than anything else. And it was because it was just so visual and it's really, it's awful to have skin conditions. But um, what causes adult acne for most people is it can, it's a, there's five things that can cause acne. But for most people, you need to have pretty much all of them to actually get acne. But I'll share them with you. So there's dehydration, there's malnutrition, especially of fat soluble nutrients. So things like vitamin A, vitamin E deficiency, vitamin D deficiency, a cod liver oil can help, ground flax seeds can help, chia seeds can help. So let me stop you on that one because I do hear people all the time. I mean, almost, you know, everyone says that everyone in the country is vitamin D deficient, um, you know, that you should be taking a vitamin D, D supplement. I've heard other people saying, you know, be careful with some of these, you know, vitamin D, especially vitamin D3 supplements. What is your opinion on taking vitamin D. So my opinion about vitamin D in the last year has actually changed. And um, I used to be a big proponent of recommending it. And now that I'm doing more research about a lot of different brands and the way that they're formulating their uh, concoctions, and um, it's not really optimal for the human body. And vitamin D uh, supplementation can actually, actually displace copper and magnesium in the body, which are a lot more critical than vitamin D in a lot of cases, uh, even though that's not what we're led to believe. So uh, I think that that Anything that displaces magnesium in the body potentially should be a no-go. Uh, I'm more of a fan of, of uh, food supplements. Some D3 sprays are actually okay. It really depends on the brand and how deficient you are. But in the majority of cases, a cod liver oil is best. I love um, a brand called Rosita. It's Rosita's cod liver oil. It's extra virgin, organic, filtered for heavy metals, completely unrefined, and, um, and all natural. And so I think a teaspoon of that a day is the best way to get your all of your vitamin A, all of your omega-3s, all of your vitamin D, and if I'm not mistaken, a little bit of vitamin E as well. Uh, so that's a really great option for vegans. I know vegans are not into fish oil. Rosita? How do you spell Rosita? R-O-S-I-T-A. So I, I'm in Amazon right now and looking for that Rosita cod liver oil, and it's not coming up. 
maybe we'll have you send the link. I wonder if you can not get it in America. I, I know that Canada has it. I'm pretty sure you should be able to get it in America, but you might have to get it from Co-Organic. There's a company, Co-Organic, that, that ships it. Um, the UK has it. I know, you know what it is with the US, and Canada's not much better, honestly, but they, everything, what I have found is that everything that's most beneficial for humans is very difficult to source. And at some point or another, the government put some kind of ban on it. Like activated charcoal was a big drama in Canada for a while. Um, it's, it's hard to find the same products. Whereas if you go, I was in the UK not long ago and I found just walking into the regular store, I was finding the best quality magnesiums, like dead sea, dehydrated dead sea magnesium and all these amazing things that are a lot harder to source here. So, um, you know, I, I definitely think that that's, too we bad. And, moved to the UK. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, I think also, listen, at the end of the day, we're the consumers and we're the ones who spend the money and we're the ones that keep the economy in, inflated and keep the economy going. So what people don't realize is that they, by changing their decisions and the money that they invest in and the food that they eat, like if people want organic to be less expensive, they all have to start buying organic because when nobody's buying regular Tostitos anymore, nobody's buying conventional meat and, and you know, all those things there's no more demand for it. So it's only temporarily expensive and it results in long-term a change of the world. So the same mm -hmm. is true for supplements. You know, if Rosita's cod liver oil can't get past the FDA, then maybe it's a good idea for, um, you know, consumers to reach out about that and to speak about it and to demand that because what we demand is what we get. And as people, we literally have all the power and a lot of regulatory processes actually happen based on consumer demand, right? Like who funds the government? It's us really. So um, it's important to recognize that everyone's doing the best they can, but um, sharing our desires actually helps change the world. So um, if you're not able to access it in the US, you probably could in the next little while if you, you know, put some, put some activism into it. <laughs> But I'll see if I can send a link uh, via co-organic or something else that can that can help to share that with people immediately. Okay, this is Jeannie in Chattanooga. I'm 35 years old and I've recently been diagnosed with stage 2 breast cancer. I've made up my mind that I do not want to do chemotherapy or radiation and I'm going to take an all-natural route. I want to know what kind of all-natural routes that you have advice for me. Sure. So, um... I am a huge believer in natural therapies for things, including cancer. And I know this is a very controversial topic and I've actually been attacked recently by the medical community because of my outreach about natural remedies for cancer, because it's such a profitable field. And because, yes. um, you know, it's, there's a lot for big pharma to lose when alternatives are actually being successful. So um, that aside, I I'm happy to share what I would personally do though. I do believe it's important to consult with, your health practitioner. I don't know everybody's history, so I'm giving you know blanket recommendations that I feel would be safe for most people. Um, but seeing their practitioner and all that to make sure it's good for them in their particular issue would be important. But I think that that the the real causes of cancer are too many chemicals in the environment, which damages the immune system. It's a complete deficiency in good bacteria. So there's a lot of overgrowth of yeasts, of parasites, of bad bacteria. And so, and the cells, and then because of this, there's a lot of acidity happening in the lymph system, in the bloodstream, congested liver, congested kidneys. There's a lot of reasons why the body gets backed up. 
And when the body is in a low oxygen acid state because of chronic infection or deficiency, what happens is we end up, you know, the cells, rather than dying, because we need to have a regulated pH um, and to be alkaline enough to keep them to going, uh, what they do is they actually change. The way that bacteria change, when you take bacteria that's living outside on the grass and then you put it in a closed container where there's no oxygen it's going to change it won't necessarily die some will but before all of them die they'll try to uh, adapt to that environment and they'll try to be able to survive in a low oxygen low sunshine state so that they also can you know continue to survive so what happens with cancer i believe is that our cells are adapting to the low oxygen, acid, high infection um, situation in your body with not enough minerals and not enough vital life force. And so they're, they're changing to this anaerobic state, this like toxic, decrepit kind of state. Um, and it's happening because our lifestyle isn't what it should be. And I absolutely believe um, that, that, that you know, cancers and other chronic conditions can be addressed naturally. I do. The healing rate and the healing success depends on, you know, how chemically exposed you are. In other words, whether you worked in a coal mine or whether you've taken heavy chemotherapy, which can be really hard on the system, or whether you're a heavy alcoholic, which can damage your liver. And, you know, so, but, but I do believe that healing from cancer naturally is possible. And I um, actually uh, was working while well, volunteering um, at a health retreat in Florida that specializes in um, helping to reverse people with cancer using a raw vegan alkaline diet. Um, this is the Hippocrates Health Institute. It's similar to Gerson therapy and, you know, other kind of approaches uh, where they do like plant-based, but I believe that it's about alkalizing. And so my recommendation um, would be for breast cancer, as well as any other cancer, it would be to do a heavy juicing regimen. So in addition to whatever else you're doing or as your predominant choice, whatever you like, I would do a raw diet as much as possible, focused on vegetables um, keeping glycemic index low, avocados, lots and lots of vegetables, sprouted nuts and seeds, a little bit of nut milk, lots of green vegetables, cucumber, celery, sprouts, lemons, arugula, dandelions, bitter foods, think citrus. Um, other things that are amazing is actually mixing apple cider vinegar with baking soda. So you can do about a tablespoon of Bragg's apple cider vinegar mixed with about half a teaspoon of Bob's Red Mill natural baking soda or any other pure non-aluminum baking soda. And you're just going to mix that in a glass of water. It's going to bubble and fizz. It's going to be a weird kind of chemical con concoction. But when it calms down, you drink that. Um, it tastes like unsweetened apple juice. And doing that maybe twice a day on an empty stomach away from food, that really helps to alkalize the blood and to sanitize the intestinal tract. Um, fermented foods, but very like alkalizing gentle ones like coconut milk kefir, making your own coconut yogurt or coconut milk kefir unsweetened is important. Um, avoiding cooked foods can be eaten, but steaming vegetables. I would eat very little amounts of meat and animal products only because they're acidifying and hard on the kidneys. And we want your kidneys and your body to be filtering and removing the cancer cells, not breaking down hard to digest protein. So for a period of time, it's a good idea to cut down on proteins, um, even if you go back to that eventually. And, and yeah, it's, it's plant-based, alkaline, um, the vitamin C would be helpful. And just think about it in terms of nursing a sick body. You're not, you don't want to attack a cancerous body you know, and, and, and do any really aggressive things, but you want to focus on getting yeast and parasites out of the body, putting that good bacteria in, and then the emotional component. So sleeping enough and, and being relatively happy and believing that you can heal and trusting that your body is doing the best it can because there's a huge emotional component to 
illness and disease and cancers. And they've shown that often with breast cancer specifically, it could be um, trauma, recent trauma or long-term emotional issues, often unhappy relationships with spouses or, um, you know, um, sexual uh, repression of some kind, you know, maybe something that's happened in the past or even just not being happy long-term in emotional or love relationships that can play a role as well. It could be a resentment or anger or not expressing yourself or demanding what it is that you like. So um, there's actually a, uh, an amazing movie on YouTube, I think it is. It's a documentary. It's called Heal, H-E-A-L. Uh, and I think, I don't know if it's free now. When I watched it about six months ago, I had to pay $4 to rent it. It was worth every penny. But, um, but that mm -hmm. documentary is all about healing naturally. And basically, it's a woman who follows... Uh, multiple people, like, you know, thousands all over the world uh, who have had spontaneous remissions from spinal injuries to, you know, paralysis to breast cancers to all kinds of things and how they heal themselves relatively quickly. Some using meds, some using natural. And they, she basically discovered that, you know, um, seven out of nine of the things that everybody did to heal successfully were emotional and not physical. There was changing the diet and, you know, that kind of stuff and being active. But most of them were emotional practices. Mm. So we develop cancer because we're unhappy. And, and it's, this is the time when we have cancer to look inside, to reconnect with nature, with life, with ourselves, um, and to ask ourselves what we want to change about our lives, whether we're actually following our passion, whether we're actually in a happy marriage, whether we're actually um, doing the things we want out of life, or whether we're just going through the day-to-day -day grind, because often it's a lack of emotional nourishment to the cells and a lack of, you know, spiritual um, connection with what you really want and what you're actually doing that can really cause a lot of um, injury in the body resulting in chronic disease like cancer. So food is amazing, but there are people who do everything right with food and it's not enough. And if, you know, you do the emotional component, then food has 500 times more of a chance of healing you in shockingly short periods of time because our, our brain runs everything. So it's, yeah. Cool. All right, Bethany, this will be our last question. And, and we didn't get to get through all of the questions. Um, maybe we can have you back on, but here's the last one we're going to do today because of time. This is Bethany in South Carolina. On your show, you talk about your struggle with psoriasis. She's talking about me. And she says, and I've noticed something that looks like psoriasis on my scalp for the last couple of weeks. When I started Googling different things, I realized that psoriasis looks a lot like ringworm. How can I tell the difference between the two? And how do you recommend treating both ringworm and psoriasis naturally? Sure. So I find with skin conditions, a lot of people, they'll say, oh, I don't have, you know, I have nodular acne versus cystic acne, or I have psoriasis versus ringworm versus eczema. Um, the truth is that they're all caused by the same thing. It just depends on which abnormal bacteria or yeast or fungus you have growing in you, which parasites, um, how your body is processing it, which specific deficiencies, but all skin problems, psoriasis, eczema, you know, all of these, ringworm, um, they're all caused by gut abnormality and, you know, wrong bacteria in the body and a deficiency in certain nutrients, mostly fat soluble nutrients. All of them are caused by deficiency in vitamin A. Often we're deficient in antioxidants and polyphenols and vitamin C and almost every case vitamin E as well oftentimes vitamin D. Um, magnesium is huge when it comes to psoriasis and it's often overlooked. So um, I think that eating a clean diet is most important, but how to tell the difference? 
If you really want to know, you can look up pictures online, but ringworm tends to be a little bit more circular with kind of an outer ring. Um, psoriasis tends to be almost more like rosacea, but full scaling of the skin. Tends to be really red, and usually it's not, psoriasis isn't usually painful unless you scratch it and sort of peel off that outer layer, but it tends to look a lot more almost like dandruff with redness underneath, you know, like red inflammation underneath, almost more similar to dermatitis a little bit. But the truth is, if you have any skin problems, it's because your kidneys are not working as well as they should. So hydration is important. It's because you have gut infection and you're probably reacting badly to the foods you're eating because, or some of the foods, because you're missing the bacteria that would break down things like histamines, salicylates, oxalates, um, some of those, you know, phytic acid and some of those anti-nutrients in plant foods. Um, and that could be, you know, contributing as well. So focus on putting the right bacteria in. It'll help to slay all the bad stuff in your gut and also help to, to, to improve your digestion and to get your actual, you know, gut health underway because that's the main cause of internal autotoxicity resulting in skin problems. Um, liver support is also important. Apple cider vinegar is great. Bitter foods are great. Um, looking into maybe milk thistle or dandelion, a lot of that um, will help as well. So um, I would really focus on those things. But yeah, to, to tell the difference, it almost matters less which type of skin problem you have because what I've noticed is that with most health problems, whether it's a skin problem or it's cancer, they stem from the same imbalances. The human machine is like a car. It's like a car. It needs gas. It needs windshield wiper fluid. It needs a few things, lights that work for you to be safe and for it to function. The human body is not that different. We need sleep. We need air. We need a high amount of minerals and electric energy from the food we're eating. We need to be happy. We need exercise and physical activity so we can oxygenate and we need to be detoxing properly. All of these things happen automatically once you put the right things in your body. So whether you have eczema. that vitamin A, to get that vitamin A, because I know you had talked about the two, the, the two powders we talked about to get your vitamin C, but what about to get that vitamin A? So the cod liver oil that we talked about earlier, Rosita's, that's a great source of vitamin A. Also, um, carrots are excellent doing carrot juice every day and having it with a little bit of fat. So with some coconut oil or some avocado is excellent. All uh, green vegetables are going to be rich in vitamin A. So drinking green juices, all leafy greens, chard is amazing. Um, but uh, for most people with gut problems, plant sources of vitamin A need to be converted. Beta carotene needs to be converted into um, actual vitamin A that you can use. So um, organic grass fed and grass finished liver, can be helpful as well for people. Uh, liver is amazingly rich in vitamin A, but you're looking at greens, carrots, cod liver oil, fish um, has good vitamin A depending on the type, uh, if it's wild and all of that. But you wanna, you wanna really um, you know, aim for, for food-based sources. Vitamin A is not really something you wanna supplement with in most cases. Mm, gotcha. Well, this has been absolutely amazing. You, Brittany, are just a wealth of knowledge. And I just could listen to you talk all day long. Like, I just think you're absolutely amazing. So tell people one more time how they can get uh, get a hold of you. And now, do you do like one-on-one -on -one coaching with people? Um, talk about that for just a second. Sure. So um, if you want to, thank you so much for that, by the way, I really appreciate that. And I love sharing this, this information. I'm really passionate about what I do. So I'm, I'm always happy to kind of 
um, you know, be a part of things like this. So I, I'm happy to be here. But um, in terms of reaching me, I have a YouTube channel, Montreal Healthy Girl, which is a free resource with all kinds of information about a ton of different conditions, how to be healthy, foods to eat, parasite cleanses, pretty much most things you can think about health I've shared on my YouTube channel. So um, that I have about 300 and plus videos on there. So people can reach me on there. Um, they can get my email address. I have all that on my YouTube channel. My website is montrealhealthygirl.com. I have a contact page there where people can reach me and my team. Uh, due to the volume of emails I get, I do have people that help me out with emails. I have a receptionist who helps me because it just gets, I would spend, I mean, I, I typically spend about three hours doing emails a day, but if I was doing them all myself, I would literally be there, you know, 24 hours a day ongoing. So, um, but, but emailing me um, is definitely a great way to get in contact with me or to set up either a consultation or an online written program. So what I do these days is because um, there's so much chronic illness, sadly, in the world, I've actually been really busy with consultations and things, and it's given me a lot less time to make content and to share content, which I love doing on my videos. So um, I've actually um, decreased the amount of consultations that I'm doing in this moment. And instead I'm working with people via written email protocols, which are very comprehensive. I have that information on my website as well. I do still offer Skype consultations for people who are really looking for that or really want the one-on-one -on -one support. So they're both an option, but all that information can be found under services on my website montrealhealthygirl.com or simply by sending me an email uh, via the contact form on that website. That would be the best way to get in touch with me. Now, um, so as far as like the Canadian dollar versus the American dollar, so like on your website, when you have your different eBooks, what is the, is it in Canadian dollars or do you have it in American dollars? So I don't live uh, full-time in Canada anymore. Actually, I'm from Montreal, which is why I have that name. But I have a lot of family. Most of my family lives in Florida. I spent the majority of the last year living there. My father lives in Panama. Um, and so I travel to a lot of places and live the majority of the year functioning in U.S. dollars. So I charge um, in that because that's sort of the way that my you know, okay. online taxes business is set up and all that. But, um, but yeah, so it's, it is in, in U.S. dollars. I do share that. Anytime someone emails me um, or, you know, on my website, everything is, is there in U.S. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, that sounds great. Now, a lot of times we do some giveaways on our Facebook post. Is there anything that you want to, if they share and comment on the Facebook post, is there anything today that you want to offer the listeners that if they share the post that, you know, we'll do one free giveaway? Is there anything you want to do for that? Absolutely. We talked about the three-day candida cleanser. So let's give it to anybody who wants to share or participate or is looking to um, do a detox. So what I can do is I can actually send you a, um, uh, a copy of it and you okay. can forward it to anybody. To that and yes. Okay. That sounds great. So we'll do a post and we'll pick one lucky winner. Well, again, this was absolutely amazing. I just think, you know, you are just over the top amazing. I mean, I just can't say enough. Everything you say, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I just totally agree with it. I'm like, you know, yes, amen, you know, this, this kind of thing. But it's been an absolute pleasure. And if you have a question that you want answered, go to questions at ChantelRayWay.com. We'll, we'll see, see you next time. Bye-bye.
Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. And if you would like daily accountability as well as a resource with lots of helpful tips about Chantel's intermittent fasting lifestyle, head on over to chantelrayway.com slash coaching. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. 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 Done.